this place. Man, we love our Idaho. Um, my wife and I met here. We're married here, not in this church, but in this community, and lived here for 15 years of my life until about 10 months ago. God called us uh, out of the greatest state in the union to at least neighbors next door. We're now in Walla Walla, Washington with our amazing pastors, Pastor Bob and Kara Grimm, who are just phenomenal friends. Uh, I just, I just want to, I'm going to give lots of thanks and, and honor to Pastors J.O. and Ray Dean, but thank you guys most of all for being such good friends to our pastors. They talk about you guys all the time. Uh, I think we steal so much stuff from Heart of the City Church. It's like doing that, and we're saying that we started it in Jesus' name. <laughs> and then when you guys come, you're like, this is so much like home. <laughs> it's because we stole it, right? Um, but we're just, we're blessed. It's, it's so funny. This last night it happened, and this morning as I'm looking around, and then I'm sure it's going to be the next, it's second service there's so many crazy familiar faces in this room. I promise you, if I start giving shout outs, it will not end. We'll just have to pray a little bit from now. So I just want you to know I see you. I love you. Hopefully I get to hug you. And uh, my wife will be here, as Craig said. She should be here any moment with our little guy. His name's Psalm Josiah. Psalm like the book of the Bible. How cool is that? I think we have a picture of him up here. He's just the cutest dude on the planet. Come on. Hello, I'm new here. <laughs> How cute is that? There he is, man. That's the fruit of my looms right there. He's the coolest. His name's Psalm Josiah. Uh, we asked, we didn't know what it, we were kind of, we're one of those crazy couples that doesn't uh, find out what you're going to have, you know? People would get angry at us. Oh, thank you. We literally have people get angry at us. What do you mean you're not going to find out? They have technology for that. We're like, sorry, it's a surprise, you know. Um, but we prayed. We asked the Lord. We said, Lord, if it's going to be a boy, what's the call on their life? If it's going to be a girl, what's the call on their life? And uh, we felt like as a boy, if it was going to be a boy, the Lord said that their life is going to be a lot of worship. So that's why he named him Psalm. Literally means a sacred hymn unto the Lord. And then his middle name, Josiah, is less about, I think it means God heals, um, which I should know that, right? Jehovah heals. Um, but more about the character of Josiah in the Bible, if you ever read about him. He was called at a young age. He became king at eight years old. We believe he's called at a young age. He's anointed. And then as Josiah's uh, whole lifestyle was to tear down the high places, the idols, all those things that are set up. So if he so much as slobbers on you this morning, you are blessed of the Lord. He's called of God. So we're so excited. My partner in crime, I call her my partner in rhyme because I like to think she's hip hop and so am I. Um, but my wife, my favorite prayer partner in the world, my wife, Johnny, she'll be here in a moment. You'll get to meet them both. We're so excited to be here. It's such a blessing. Uh, I do want to honor Pastor J.O. and Ray Dean for just, and I, I, I'm, I, can I say two things about this? One, uh, it's not only my personal humble opinion. I love when people say that. <laughs> they cast humility on personal humble opinion. Um, but I've had the privilege of being all kinds of places in the world. And so I could also say this experientially, that you have world-class pastors and staff at this church. I mean it with all my heart. 
that clap is about a tenth of really how blessed you guys are. And I honestly believe, and I, I, I know people come in this house, but I feel like I can say it because this is like a home away from home for me. The best days are ahead for Harvest City Church. I mean, you guys, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of your pastors to begin to vision cast the things that God has for you. So hold on to your hair. It's about to get really good. Amen. And we'll be cheering you on from good old Walla Walla. The city's so nice, they named it after an onion. You got it wrong. I want to go to the word this morning, if we can, together briefly. Our time is really short. I heard the 9 o'clock service. This is what I love about 9 o'clock service. I feel like it's the most normal, rational service, right? Because you've only had like one, maybe two cups of coffee. So you're just like, you're about ready to go. 11 o'clock, nothing but tweakers, man. You're like, hey, how you? Because they've had a whole cup. So you're like, hey, how you going? I'm like, bless, brother. How are you doing? Whoa. Whoa. So I'm getting ready. Help me out for 11 o'clock. But I also heard that 909 is the most interactive. They're the most amening. They're the most loud. Because I know the inner J.O. is already climbing out on the inside of me. All right? I still got the hair, but don't be fooled. It's about to get sweaty. In fact, we're going to pray here in a few moments. We're going to read the word, and we're going to pray. And I want to pray. I think Pastor J.O. is probably preaching right now. I think he's preaching right now. Um, so we're going to pray for him here in a few moments. But if you have a Bible handy uh, nearby, either digital or analog, whatever your flavor may be, I want to go to Mark chapter 10 together. Mark chapter 10. If you're here and you're new and you don't even know what the Bible's all about, let me just explain it to you briefly. We do not believe that we have been out of fetal form long enough, nor will we ever be able to understand all the intricacies of life. So we turn to this book that has every answer for every question and every problem in life. It is not just a book. It is very life in and of itself. So we go to this. We believe it honestly is the absolute truth of who God is, the character of who God is in these scriptures. I want to do this. If you can just help me feel like home as you've hopefully turned to Mark chapter 10 by now or even if you haven't. Can you stand to your feet this morning for the reading of the word? The Bible says the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read a really fun portion of scripture. I absolutely love this verse. We'll read it together. Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 46. It says this, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind man named Bartimaeus, which is son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Man, that's your response to haters right there come on somebody okay this will preach right here this is hot off this just came to my heart right here haters are indicators that God's about to break in in your life come on you can have that thank you just a little appetizer you're welcome be quiet, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. I love this part of scripture. The haters suddenly become his number one fans. So they called to him, Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Man, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love this. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw his coat aside. He 
And he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Oh, man, I love this part. My rabbi. My rabbi. You know, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, who do men say that I am? And they respond. And he says, who do you say that I am? It's not important who I say Jesus is this morning, although it'll be really great. And I think you'll be encouraged. And it's not just so much important to who Pastor J.O. and Ray D. say who Jesus is, who Don says Jesus is. What's important at the end of the day, when time expires and you're standing before the Lord, what matters is what, who you will say Jesus is. And I pray that he's King of kings and Lord of lords of your life. He say he's my Jesus. I love it, man. That would have been my response. Oh, you're my rabbi, my rabbi. He says this, and instantly the man could see, and of course, of course, who wouldn't follow Jesus down the road? I want to preach to you from a topic tonight. I've titled this, Act a Fool. And my premise for you this morning is that every one of us is one embarrassing moment away from a breakthrough. Every one of us is one embarrassing moment from a breakthrough or for a breakthrough or somebody around us. Let's pray. Father, we ask your anointing over Pastor J.O. right now as he preaches. Lord, I pray that he's probably already got a good froth and a good sweat going. God, would you amplify it right now? Would just your heaven literally open over that church right now? And we not only say that over him in this moment, but would you bless that city? I believe it's somewhere in southern Idaho. God, would you just bless them right now? Would you expand your heart towards them like now? Ever before. Lord, and we ask for this morning right now in this service that you would thicken yourself in the room in a way that you never have before. We ask it in your name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, you can be seated this morning. I want to share with you quickly just a story just to kind of illustrate this this morning. And I promise you that as I share this, I was asking my wife, I said, babe, I want to kind of just tell a story to illustrate this somewhat embarrassing. So I start pulling out embarrassing things that have happened to my, in my life, the moments where I've blushed quite bad. And I asked my wife, we're bringing up stories. She's like, you don't want to share that story. Okay, okay. Well, maybe about that story. She goes, you really want hundreds of people to know that story? I'm like, you're right. This is why you get married, Okay. <laughs> So I give you this morning uh, the most uh, church-appropriate, uh, PG, uh, biblically-as-possible uh, version of, of an embarrassing story. This just happened uh, a couple months ago. My cheeks actually got red from this moment, but uh, we have to travel now 45 minutes to go to Costco. First world problems. Sucks, man, right? It's totally stinks. So... We travel up to Tri-Cities, and we're going to Costco, and we go uh, down this road, and my wife sees a thrift store. We love thrift stores. We got any thrift stores? Come on, Gras Sailors, looking for a bargain. I love it. Mama Sharon's just raising it really high back there. Come on. And uh, so we pull, my wife sees a thrift store. We pull into the thrift store, and we have uh, this dog. He's he's a full-grown puppy. He's a purebred German Shepherd. He's the coolest dog, but don't mess with me. I'm just saying, honestly, if you try coming up on you. So, but, uh, so he's never done this before. I think he's only done this one other time in the few years that we had him. As soon as we pull up to the thrift store and I open the door, he just, before I know it, he jumps right over my lap and just jumps out the car. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And it was right along this really busy four-lane road. So I'm like, oh, I don't want him to get hit. So I jump out and I'm running after him. His name's Arco. And I'm like, Arco, get back here. Get over here. And how many of you know this? This is like, whether this happens with your kids or it's your animal, if you're pet people, you start out really angry. And then when you realize anger is not working, you switch to like really soft. You're like, get over here, get over here. Come here, come here, come out, over here, over here, right? Whatever gets him to shut up and get over here. So I'm... 
I'm running around this parking lot and I'm trying to catch him and I'm like weaving between these cars and this whole time I'm like, get over here, get back here, get over here, get over here, get here, come here, come here. And I'm making all these noises, right? And this is a true story. I, I was just so lost that I didn't realize that 10 feet in front of mine is a 70-year-old lady. And so I'm running around going, come here, get back here, get over here, come here, come here, come here. And finally, I get and I, I almost run into her and I see her and she turns around and goes, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, sorry, no, I, I don't follow elderly people around going, come here, get over here, get over here. So embarrassed, too sorry. It's so embarrassed. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. It's just the cutest thing, man. She turns and she, she's like, oh, and I go, it's, it's my dog. It's not you. And then she just turns. She goes, oh, come here, puppy. Come here. <laughs> so cute, man. So fun. Man, what is it about embarrassment anyway? You know, that feeling of just like goosebumps and red cheeks and like, what, what is it anyway? I get embarrassment is kind of one of those things that seems kind of subjective, doesn't it? I mean, I know people that things that embarrass them, would embarrass me, don't embarrass them. I mean, what, those friends just, what, what's up with those friends, right? And they're just like, oh, that's no big deal, right? It's interesting. I actually looked up. Check out. These are the definitions, some definitions for embarrassment or to be embarrassed. It says this, to feel foolish in front of others. To cause to experience a state of self-conscious distress or become anxiously self-conscious. Check out this one. I thought this one was so interesting. To hamper or hinder the movement of. It's interesting, and as I read those definitions, I can't help but something jumps into my heart to think that those work in opposition to the reality of the gospel of Jesus and the kingdom on the earth. Let me explain it to you. The very essence of our existence is to do these things, love God and love people. And God's heart towards you in his grace is to love you right as you are, come just as you are. The open arms of the cross are the greatest pictures that we as Christians can portray to anybody else in the world is come just as you are. But God in his grace meets you where you're at, but he loves you enough to not leave you there. God's destiny of your life is to grow you and to see you go from one phase of glory to the next, to see you mature and to see you pass on the very things he puts in your heart to people around you, especially those that are hurting and brokenhearted. I often wonder about how many times in my life a simple embarrassment has hindered my movement from bringing the gospel into somebody else's life or my comfort zones have kept me from growing in the things that God wants me to be. Come on. I want to illustrate this morning, we got such short time, but I want to illustrate this morning from this text and this story of Bartimaeus, because Bartimaeus, he gets it right. I think there's a lot to learn from Bartimaeus. What I loved about Bartimaeus is we don't, we don't, there's very few things we know about him. We know he's a blind beggar. We do know his name, but that's about it. But he makes a big ripple in eternity because he captivates the heart of God in maybe a way that nobody has before. I was just thinking about this the other day. Mini side note that all the people that are blind in the Bible are all men. Hmm. Oh, ladies are like, that sounds about right. <laughs> all the dudes are like, hmm. Girls are like, mm hmm. Looking at their hubby. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get off that. <laughs> it's a little too sensitive this morning. <laughs> get off that one. 
But I love that he starts yelling out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What I love is the scripture says that he begins to cry out. He begins to yell and he shouts even louder. And they start telling, people start telling him to be quiet. You're just, I can just imagine they're thinking to themselves, he's just a blind beggar. You know, I think it's interesting. They labeled him as a blind beggar, but he had more sight than they did. Because your scripture records that it says that he heard Jesus was nearby. He heard. Your scripture records the essence of our faith, which I, I can't. There's only one reason why such a cry would come out of somebody is because they have a resolve and a conviction in their heart and a faith that's on the inside of them that in spite of their circumstances, they say, hey, Jesus, I don't want you to pass me by today. There was a faith resolve on the inside of him. And although he could not see with these eyes, he started seeing with these eyes. I was listening to a preacher recently he said we talk about how fear is the opposite of faith but scripturally the opposite of faith is sight come on somebody you got it that time some of you is like eating a hearty stew right there you were just like mm, come on because we walk by faith and not by so it's interesting that he's a blind man and he has more vision than the people that are around him. God's calling somebody. I want to provoke somebody's heart this morning that you can't be looking at your circumstances and your situations with these eyes. you got to start looking with these eyes. You can't look at your kids who have walked away with Jesus with these eyes. you got to start looking at these eyes. I want to encourage somebody this morning. You cannot look at your bank account with these eyes because that's discouraging. Man, I don't know how many, these eyes get me in trouble all the time. They get me distracted. They get me discouraged. Man, all you have to do is turn on a news channel if you want depression today in America. Everybody's doom and gloom. You cannot look at our nation in this upcoming election with these eyes. You got to look with these eyes and say, God, you're still on the throne. Jesus is not stressed out up there. <laughs> Come on. Jesus, it's so funny. I talk to people all the time. Like, Caleb, I don't know. We're gonna, I'm not going to get political on you for a moment. I'm, I, I'm not today. I'm, I'm not even for a moment going to do it. But I talk to people all the time. Man, I, I don't know who I'm going to go for. Jesus is not on the throne saying, oh, man, I don't know. Is it going to be her or is it going to be him? I don't know who I'm going to vote for. <laughs> He's up there completely chilling out saying, you know what? I'm still king of kings and lord of lords. And I just think it's an opportune time for us as the church to rise up and just be the quiet riot. The people can look on your face and say, why are you so chilled out about this? I'll tell you why I'm so chilled out about it. Because my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Because my God says that he's not going to leave us for a moment. My God is the Lord of this nation. Oh, he had more faith than so many of those people around him. I'll tell you, when people try to quiet you and try to label you, you don't respond. And if you do, the only way you respond is you zone them out by getting even louder. I love that it says that he, start, he began to shout and they start quieting him down. And then I love that the Bible records that he only began to shout louder. I know a lot of people that shout really loud on a Sunday morning, but when they leave, suddenly their shout gets taken out of them. I come to provoke somebody's heart this morning to ask you, you may shout loud this morning and amen this morning and sing your guts out this morning, but when the worship team's not there and we all go up to camp, are you going to keep shouting this week? Because somebody needs to hear your shout. Somebody needs to hear that God is greater, that he's still working, that he's still alive. Somebody needs to hear it. 
come on this morning, don't treat me. Like this is just some kind of like school assembly pep rally where I'm like, come on. Everybody's like, yeah, that's really good. No, I'm serious. You have to know something, something about the enemy of your soul. He is after that very shout in your life. Let me prove it to you. He is after your confession. What he ultimately wants is your identity and who you are in Jesus. Oh, man, I got to preach this morning. If you don't get anything else this morning, this is what will absolutely change the way you live your life, is that you understand that you belong with God. Oh, come on, somebody. If you will understand that you belong with God, that changed my whole reality. I'd grew up in church my whole life. But when I found out that God is intrinsically concerned with who I am and he desires to know my heart and wants to be with me and that we can literally commune together and that I belong. See, there's somebody that came today that you're so full of guilt and shame. It's been a long time since you talked to God. And the longer you went from talking to God, the more guilty you feel about talking to him because you oh man, what am I gonna say? You have to understand something he wants to be with you he wants to he just wants where you are this is the craziest oh man I was reading this just recently this is the craziest portion of scripture in Genesis chapter 1 I think it's verse 26 God is having a perfectly good prayer meeting father son and holy spirit in the prayer meeting come on how many of you know that's a cool prayer meeting nobody's being weird right nobody's falling asleep right Nobody's going, Father God, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Father God, Lord Jesus, we just pray God, Lord Jesus. Nobody's being hyper Pentecostal in that prayer meeting. It's a perfectly good prayer meeting. And you know what God's heart is in that prayer meeting? He's trying to stay focused on just believing, just having this, this perfect me, myself, and I of the Trinity are having this. And he just can't get off thinking about you and I. And he says, come on. This is a great prayer meeting, but let's bring man into this prayer meeting. Come, let's make man in our image. From day one, he wanted you to be with him. From day one, he wanted you to understand that heaven's where you came from and heaven's where you belong. And I want you to release heaven on earth. You belong with me. Come on this morning. You're not, you cannot earn your way into this reality of communing with God and being one-on-one with God. You're a son or daughter, not by worth, but by birth. You were born into it. My dad, he's a, he's a gunsmith. I mean, come on. Can I get an amen, Idaho? I go on the west side and say, my dad's profession is a gunsmith. And everybody's like, <gasps> <laughs> I'll never forget this true story really quick. <laughs> my brother, my older brother, when he got married, he put on the back of his wedding announcements just to rattle people's cages. Uh, he wrote on the back there, it said, and my dad's a gunsmith, and oh, I love my dad, and all this stuff about our family. And he said, guns don't kill people, my dad does. <laughs> Maybe we should edit that out, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll record second service. But when I go to my dad's business and I walk in there and sometimes I go in there and there's guys just lined up just to talk to my dad and, and, and you know, get their guns worked on. I don't ever walk into his business and stand in line and grab a number and just sit there and wait. But I just walk in and I walk by all those other dudes and I walk and I just sit down in a chair on the other side and listen to my dad talk the whole time. Why? Because he's my dad. I got the keys to the business because of who my father is. I don't have to wait in line. I walk around like I own the place. Some of you have to understand that God has called you who you are because he loves you. He's your dad. You're born into this thing. But check this out. Now I'll get back to my point, right? (laughs) 
Your confession, he wants your confession because it's so intrinsically connected with your identity. Because if he gets you questioning our identity, he's got everything. If he gets you questioning that you belong and that you're sonship and daughtership, then he really has everything. So here's what he do, does. In order to get after your identity, he goes after your faith, your faith declaration. And in order to get at your faith declaration, he goes after your stuff. So what he does is he starts messing with your kids to get you all stressed out about your kids and not continuing to believe that God is greater, God is better. Come on, you may come here this morning. I feel like somebody needs to hear this. This just jumped in my heart. You may think this morning that you're a terrible parent. I need to remind you that God was the perfect parent and even his kids. God is on your side. Come on. You are not terrible. Don't throw in the towel and say, it's all my fault. It's all this. God is a perfect dad. And even his kids walked away. Don't let the enemy be, put the guilt on you so that you stop declaring goodness over your kids and that God's going to bring them back into the fold. He's bigger. He's better than that. So he'll go after your stuff. So he'll go after your checkbook, not because he wants your money, because he feels like if he can get you to stress out about your checks, then he'll come after your faith. And if he can get your faith, then he's got everything. That's why it's important this morning that you can't let him take it and that you got to shout louder. This morning, I don't want you to be confused and walk out here and say, all right, Caleb says we need to shout louder. And so everybody walks in the parking lot going, yeah, yeah. And what are we shouting about? I don't know. We're just supposed to yell now, I guess. Shouting louder. <laughs> no, it's your declaration about who God is over your life. Can I just give you a, a quick example? I, I should have shared this with you, and I'm sure Pastor Radine knows this. Our senior pastor, Pastor Bob, his, his father was just recently just fighting for his life. He just instantly, one moment, he wasn't feeling very good. Next thing we know, he goes in the hospital. We start praying. Next thing we know, he life lights him to try cities. And then the doctors are saying, we, we just don't know if he's going to make it. Pastor Bob is just so, in so much distress. Obviously, it's because it's his dad. But they intubate him. He's got his tube down there. And they say, uh, he needs to have uh, this valve replaced in his heart. And we, he's not healthy enough to have the heart surgery. So you need to decide right now whether or not uh, to not have the surgery. He just go home and pretty much lives out the rest of his life as he is. Or to go in there and he has this much percent of chance of live, living or whatever. So we just started praying. We just started praying prayers of faith. Not this negotiating thing with God. How many of you know Jesus himself didn't actually pray for healing. He just declared it. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't beg and plead with the Father because he knew he belonged and he knew that he could declaim the earth and the things on earth as they are in heaven. And how many know there's no sickness in heaven? I hear, no, somebody needs to hear this morning. Say, I know what the doctors are saying. Oh, Caleb, what if it's God's will for that? I don't want to debate that for a moment. I just, either we're going to be people of faith or we're not, okay? And I want to be a person of faith. I want to say, God, I just speak this thing over his life. And this is what's crazy. My wife and I get here just a couple days ago to come be with you guys and we get a text that says the doctor says he doesn't have to have surgery and that he should be able to go home in a couple of days he literally went from deathbed I mean he was like I saw a picture of him and he's like and Pastor Bob's crying he's like man he's just cold he's so lifeless man we just gotta pray and we started joining we just would not allow the enemy to have our faith declaration come on this is who we are this is who we're going to be. Seth, why don't you come to the stage? I can't even believe this. This is my intro, okay? I'm serious. I think I said that last night, and I'm even more serious this morning. You can come on up, Seth. We're going to play. Help me sound super spiritual. <laughs> but I love this. He says, he says to Bartimaeus, he says, hey, come here. 
I think this is so ironic. I don't know the way you read scripture, but when I read scripture, I like to get inside the text. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus tells a blind man to come here. Let me say it to you again. He tells a blind man to come. If I'm one of his disciples, I'm like, hey, Jesus, um, I just like little FFT, food for thought, right? Um, so uh, he's blind, and so he might not know the way to go. But I'll, if you need anything, I'll be over here, right? Like you're supreme ruler, you know. How many know Jesus was not playing games with Bartimaeus' heart? He was drawing a desperation out of him. I got good news for you today. If you came here this morning and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, congratulations, your breakthrough is right around the corner. God is, God is looking for a people that no matter how blessed or how hurting they are, we still cry with the same level of desperation. Come on. I remember, I remember even soon after my wife and I went on our honeymoon, we're just praying before the Lord. I just, I mean, when you get married, there, I, you just feel so blessed. I was like, oh my goodness, God, you have answered my prayers. And some of you that know me are like, amen, bro. You have answered my prayers. And I remember us praying together on a honeymoon, but God, we're still desperate for more of you. She's not the answer for me. He's not he's just the answer. You're the answer to everything. God, we're still desperate for you. Your desperation shouldn't come out of us only when we're our lowest of lows. It's cool that God uses that to bring us out. Hello, that's my story. <laughs> But he wants us to be ever desperate. So he says, come here. For some of us, especially if we were in the crowd that day, we would think to ourselves, Jesus, what's the difference? There's no difference between here and there. It's only like, say, 30 feet. But how many know in Jesus' eyes, there where Bartimaeus was, was everything Bartimaeus ever knew? Made him comfortable? Everything that made it convenient? All the labels that everybody had ever labeled him? Hey, blind man, just stay there on the side of the road where you belong. Just be right there where you are. It may not seem like very far from the eye, but from the eyes of faith, it's a difference between outside the will of God and inside the will of God. It's a difference between your bondage and your breakthrough. So he says, come here, come here. Bartimaeus starts coming. I love, I love this text because it says he stood up and he threw his cloak off. The cloak just wasn't a coat because he was hot that day. <laughs> that cloak represented his identity, who everyone had always labeled him to be. So you have to understand, if you play to the labels of what give you, friend, you, you'll, you'll rarely see breakthrough. But if you'll get embarrassed for Jesus, if you'll say, I don't care what they'll say about me. Don't you think, people, I think maybe some people would say that he's blind, he didn't understand. We all know we all have an assumption of what people will probably about us or think about us. Can you imagine, just to be honest this morning, when he threw that cloak off, can you imagine how bad he smelt? And he's thinking to himself, I don't want to throw this cloak off because I just stink, man. I haven't showered in months. Like, I, I don't know about this. And yet I love it. says that he threw his cloak off. Everything that he was, his identity, who he was in him. And he went past the labels. He went past what people might see him to be. He went past the fear of all these things. And he went past the goosebumps of being embarrassed. 
Oh, I said this last night, and I love it because Pastor Redeen said it in prayer last night. Romans chapter 8 says this, that all of creation waits in eager expectation for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. You know what that word revelation means? It literally means to uncover, to lay bare. I can't help but think that somebody in your workplace is waiting for you to throw off and that they can see the real you, the real Bartimaeus on the inside, the real blonde Bart. He had every right to stay there. His name means son of Timaeus. He doesn't even have a real name. My dad's name is Sean, but my name is Caleb. Can you imagine being born? And everywhere I go, everybody's like, hey, son of Sean. How's it going, son of Sean? The cool thing is my dad's awesome, so it's kind of a compliment. Hey, son of Sean. And his whole life, he's nothing but just the son of Sean. And people, he could have even sat there with Eeyore on the inside and stayed right where he was. Yeah, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Every one of us has one on the inside. Guess I'll go look for my tail now. Come on, we all have an inner Eeyore. He could have stayed there and people around him could have said, you know what, you are blind, you're fine here, you just stay here, no, come on, you're just, yeah, you're just hurting. But how many of you know when you're desperate, you can't stay there anymore, you can't be stuck anymore, you can't just allow somebody to take, so here's what Bartimaeus does, he gets a hold of a promise, and this is what somebody needs to do this morning, look at your circumstances and grab a promise of God that works in complete opposition to it, because we read that text and he says this, son of David, have mercy on me, and we might not think that means anything, but to Bartimaeus, it meant a lot because in that culture at the time, he no doubt would have heard people debate at the city gates as he's out front panhandling. He would have known that from 2 Samuel, it declares that one day there's going to be a messianic deliverer from the line of David. Behold, son of David, have mercy on me. And he also knew that two different times prophesied in Isaiah that that Messiah, that deliverer was behold, he was going to open the eyes of the blind. So he grabbed a promise that worked in opposition to his situation and said, son of David, have mercy on me. And it grabbed the heart of God. Some of you this morning, you're squeezed tight inside your situation and your circumstance. God's looking for you to reach outside of those. Not keep grabbing onto them and saying, oh, I'll just hold onto this, I guess, because this is what I deserve. No, grab outside of it. What is it? Psalm 61 says, when I, my heart is overwhelmed, take me to a rock that is higher than I. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Acts 17 says this. Come on, in him, it's I live and move and have my being. Not in my circumstances, not in my situations, in him, I live and move and have my being. Second Peter says that all things pertaining to life and godliness are in him, not in anything else. So you grab that and you start saying, God, I know that my spouse isn't saved, but I know what your word says. I'm going to still prevail. Come on, I want to know if somebody is going to keep shouting when they leave today. Are you going to keep shouting when your unsaved friends year after year are telling you, no, I'm not going to. I'm looking for somebody that will keep shouting over the situation when the doctor gives you facts are you going to look back at them and tell them truth my god is greater my god is bigger this knee is no big deal for my god oh let's stand to our feet this morning and he says to him this he says <laughs> he says come to me and i love man my favorite part of the whole text is that Jesus tells him to come here. And here's what we don't see in the scripture. Can I, can I get outside? Because I just feel like not only do I, I, I know enough about the heart of God, but I felt like this is what God wanted me to speak to you this morning, Heart of the City Church. I just can't help but think that as Bartimaeus gets up and he throws his coat off, oh man, started crying at this part last night too. That Jesus is there under his breath. He's saying, come on, man. Come on, buddy. 
Come on. Is there all these people are just like, what's going on? Oh, whoa, the blind, the blind beggar, what was he doing? He's pushing people out of the way, and he's just going through this crazy biblical game of Marco Polo, trying to find his way to Jesus. Jesus says, come, and he's like, I'm coming. And the whole time Jesus is under his breath saying, come on, man, come on. I gotta tell somebody this morning, I don't care how you come to Jesus, just come. This morning you have to know his posture over you as you were sleeping was waiting with bated breath for you to wake up and say, come on, just talk to me today. Come on, let me have that thing. Come on, let me trade my yoke for yours. Come on, give me that bitterness. Give me that unforgiveness. Give me that hatred towards that person. Come on, do that. And I can't help but think that there's somebody in your workplace and somebody that you know or people that you know downtown that are saying the same thing. Come on, just invite me to church. Come on, just just go outside of your comfort zone. Come on, I need a breakthrough. Just come on. God's, I don't care how you come this morning. Just know that you need to come. Some of you this morning, you came to church anxious. I prayed this prayer last week or last night. I said, I feel like somebody came. You've been having pan attacks. You've been having migraines from all the stress and anxiety. I have a, a lady came up. It was their first weekend here. They said, we love this church. And I said, cool, keep coming. And she said, I've been having migraines. Because all the stress and anxiety, I believe God healed me tonight. Some of us have been so stressed out. Yeah, come on, Lord. This is so stressed out. You may come stressful. You may come anxious. You may come angry this morning, even angry at God. He's a big kid. He can take care of himself. You won't leave angry. But it's okay to come angry. What matters is that you come. This morning, what I want to do, I want to pray for us this morning. But I feel, I want to say this. Are you, what are you hiding behind? What is it? What comfort zone? What is it? What, what thing that is keeping you back? What cloak has been holding you? I just feel like the Lord said this to me prophetically. I'm supposed to say, whatever it is, come out, come out, wherever you are. Come on, Heart City Church. Coeur d'Alene needs you. They need you. They need you. This morning before we pray, I have to pray. This is the most important thing that we can do. If you're here this morning and it's your first time, awesome. Welcome. We love you. So second only to the Holy Spirit, you're our honored guest this morning. If you're here and you maybe have never given your life to Jesus, I matter most more than anything here today that you would walk out of here saying, my rabbi. That he's not just that preacher man's Jesus. He's not just the Jesus. He's the Jesus and the Lord of your heart. If you're here this morning with every eye open and everybody looking around, and you have never given Jesus to be the Lord of your heart, can you do me this favor? I don't want you to walk out of here the same way you walked in, and the way that happens is through the personage of Jesus. If that's you, and you want to make him Lord of your heart, almost like Bartimaeus and almost a prophetic act, if that's you, you want Jesus for the first time in your life, why don't you just wave at me? Just say, yeah, Caleb, will you pray with me? I don't want to walk out of here the same way you walked in. I need Jesus in my life. Anybody this morning, come on, just right now. We're here for you. We'll cheer you on. I think there's a few people last night. Oh, man, we, today's your day. You know, when I was a younger preacher, I used to get insecure, Don, when nobody would raise their hand. But I don't get insecure anymore, mostly because that tells me that there's a whole room full of crazy, radical Jesus followers that people have already been labeling for a long time, and they're fighting against it every day. That's a whole swath of people that are going to go out and be shouting today. One last thing I want to do, we'll be done. You're here this morning, I want to do this quickly. You're here this morning, and there's some area of your life, relational, financial, whatever it is, you need a God-level breakthrough in your life. Maybe it's healing or whatever. Raise your hand really quick. If you need a God-level breakthrough in your life, raise your hand. Awesome. We're a family church here. Keep your hands up. If you're near a hand, can you turn around and pray for them? We're going to pray. Super fast prayer. 
and we're going to release you today in Jesus' name, and we're going to stand in faith. Oh, we prayed this morning for our little, our little friend Liam. We put our hands on that little guy. We love him. And we said, Lord, where any two are in your name will declare, touch anything here on earth, God, it would be done. So we as a group right now, we put hands on these situations. We put hands on these physical beings, God. We finances. We put hands on identity. We put hands on all these things. And we say, God, be Lord of those situations right now in Jesus' name. God, we thank favor to come their way in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you're doing a thing in their heart, that you're wanting to shift their circumstance and their situation. And God, I believe that tonight, breakthrough would come to their house. God, you would come their way this morning. I love that your posture towards them this morning is that you love them and you not only accept them, but you approve of them and you're standing with them in every way. God, I thank you that your goodness is coming to their house today. God, we pray your favor, your blessing, and more than anything, God, we declare breakthrough in their situation in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen to Jesus. My goodness. Hey, we love you so much. I'm going to really quickly, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up front. If you have any other prayer needs this morning, we want to pray for you. We love you. And I just don't want to say, hey, we'll see you next week. I want to say this. We'll see you this week. This is our community. We'll see you around town. Make sure you hug each other, love on somebody. God bless you. If you're not signed up for camp, get there or pay for somebody's way to get there. In Jesus' name, have a great day.